Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Here's the 0-2. Cut on and miss. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Thank you for listening to Yankees Baseball. Have a good night. And Avon from A-Rod. Robbie Cano, a don't you know. Can you imagine? Hi, fans. Welcome back to Pinstripes and Bright Lights. I'm John Sterling. Each episode, I'll share one of my favorite memories from my years with the Yanks and with other teams. But before I do, we'll open the mail and read a letter from you, the fans. Today's letter, and it really is some letter, it comes from Bob in Connecticut. Dear John, I call you John because I feel like I know you personally. After all these years of watching Yankees play baseball and listening to you announce the games, I'm writing to tell you about one of the best years of my life, 1996. Uh, By the way, uh, Bob, me too. In the early part of the year, my fiancé and I went to New York City to the Diamond District to trade in all of our old rings and gold to buy an engagement ring for her. I had not officially proposed yet, as I was planning something big. I came up with the idea of having my proposal on the marquee board at Yankee Stadium. I sent my $50 in to set it up for April 9th, opening day, Yankees Rangers, Andy Pettit on the mound. I bought four tickets for my girl and our two sons. We live over two hours away, so we started out at 8 in the morning. It was raining and snowing and cold, I'm worried they were going to cancel the game. How would I reschedule my announcement? We had seats in the upper deck. We were freezing cold and wet, but they did not cancel the game. Uh, And aside, that was the very famous game. The Yankees won, Pettit pitched, and they played in a snowstorm. (laughs) That game, I really do remember. About midway through the game between innings on the marquee comes the words, Diane, you are my friend and lover, Will you marry me, Bob? I got down on one knee and pulled out the ring. Of course, she said yes, and 56,000 people around us were cheering. Now, that same year, the Yankees were in the World Series. It's the Wednesday before Game 6, and I told my foreman at work I was planning to go to Game 7. He told me, Bob, they're going to win it in 6. So I said, I won't be in tomorrow. My oldest son and I went to game six. No tickets. We bought scalp seats between third base and home and watched the Yankees win the World Series. Another Yankees memory 
in a year I will never forget. And on this uh, podcast, Pinstripes and Bright Lights, uh, believe me, I will tell you plenty of stories from that year, 1996. It's, as they say, our favorite year. Well, I certainly have been lucky enough to be so closely involved in Yankees-Red Sox, which basically is the greatest rivalry in the game. I mean, there are other rivalries, you know, Michigan-Ohio State. But Yankees-Red Sox, because it's gone on for so long and because they play so many games, uh, there were two years in 2003 and 2004 where because of the games you play within the division, 18 or 19 against each team in your division, and then the seven-game postseason, these two teams are playing 26 games a year. So there's a lot of background, but the background goes, obviously, a lot further back. Well, it really goes back to the owner of the Red Sox, Harry Frazee, in the late 19-teens, a Broadway investor, was putting on a show that really worked called No No Nanette, and he needed money, and he sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. So I guess if you said, well, that's where it begins. In 1949, the Yankees are a game out. The Red Sox come to Yankee Stadium for the final Saturday and Sunday. The Red Sox take a 4 nothing lead on Saturday. Whoa. And the Yankees rally, and in a rather obscure outfielder, Johnny Lindell, hits a home run. And the Yankees win 5-4, and they play Sunday at the stadium. Anyway, the Yankees win the game, and they win the first of the five straight pennants in World Series under Casey Stengel. But my personal memory is one I'll never forget. In fact, when I got Tito Francona's book, and Tito was then in Cleveland, and I brought the book in, and I told him this story, and I swear to you, it's a true story. And the Yanks and, and Red Sox had a rain out or so. So what would have become a four-game series, what they call wraparound, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, became a five-game series. The Yankees and Red Sox always played on a weekend. I mean, they changed the schedule for TV. And so we played a Twinider on Friday – and we played a Saturday early afternoon game. We played a Sunday night game. The old ESPN Sunday night 8 o'clock game drives you nuts. And then played an afternoon game on Monday. So on Friday night, we play a split doubleheader. And the Yankees won the first game. It went on forever, like all Yankee Red Sox games. My greatest memory of that first game, Derek Jeter came up against Mike Timlin, a very good right-hander, who had been very good against the Yankees, and Jeter hit a line drive down the right field line with the bases loaded, a three-run triple, and the Yankees won a very high-scoring game. It took forever. Now there is a period of three hours or more between the two games, and I went into the Red Sox uh, press dining room, and I don't know what I ate, but obviously I ate the wrong things. I, I was eating only to fill time. You know, you sit there 
with other members of the media, broadcasters, writers, etc., club officials, and you chew the fat, schmooze, and, and eat. Well, the second game occurred, and I was sick. And without going into this too deeply, the uh, upshot of the story is the second game the Yankees and Red Sox played, the second game when I got sick, it was the longest nine-inning game in the history of baseball. How do you like that? The longest nine-inning game in the history of baseball. The Yankees won the game. Another, well, you figure a high-scoring game. It went four hours and 45 minutes. And there's a nine-inning game. And, uh, and the Yankees won both. Now, I went back to my hotel room and... Um, I somehow got through the night. You figure it ran its course, but I was scared stiff. So I went to the Yankee clubhouse on Saturday. You know, almost no sleep. We got back so late. And we're up for, for an early game. It's a very early bus in baseball. And they get you there two, two and a half hours before the game, sometimes three hours. And um, I went to the clubhouse. And I went to the Yankee chief athletic trainer, a marvelous human being named Gene Monahan. If you saw the Yankee clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse in, in, in Fenway Park, it's disgraceful. And the place was built in 1912. You never saw a room this small. Can you imagine how many members of the media are there with the Yankees? You couldn't turn around. So I went to Gene and I told him what happened. I said, I, I, you got to give me something. And he said, well, John, look at this place. We come back after you begin your pregame. Come back between the two. The place will be empty then, and that will help you out. Now, in Boston, it's as I say, it was built in 1912. You have to walk with the people. Um, it's just a common area. And I, honestly, I was afraid if I went downstairs, I'd never make it back to the elevators. I'd never make it in time for the game. And I'm doing all the play-by-play. And so at a certain time, I'm off on the pregame. And I took the elevator down, battled my way through this enormous crowd that's for, piling in. And I go to Gene, and he says, okay. He says, hold on a second. I'll give you something. So he goes back and whips up something in a cup. And he said to me, drink this. And don't drink anything else for 30 minutes. I guarantee you'll be okay. Now, I've used this story to tell my four children. And when they were little kids, you know, didn't want to take their medicine, I told them this story. So I go out of the clubhouse. Now I'm in with the middle of a million fans. And I take a little sip of this, and it was the worst, most vile concoction I ever tasted in my life. Ugh. And I thought to myself, oh, boy, this is going to work. It was so vile. That's what I told my kids. Take your medicine. Honestly, it'll work. I don't care what it tastes like. So anyway, the minute I took a sip, I really knew it, was, it would work. And so then I quickly swallowed the thing in one gulp, battled my way through the crowd, got upstairs to broadcast the game, and I was all set for the weekend. 
And by the way, the Yankees won all five games. Thanks for listening, everyone, and be sure to come back for more baseball stories, Yankee stories, or sports stories. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all the episodes online at pinstripespodcast.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Download and subscribe to Pinstripes and Bright Lights on Radio.com and the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.